Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. All right, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to continue talking about heart for the house. Uh, we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks that, you know, it's, 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 it's God's heart that we have a heart for the things that he cares about. And God loves people. He loves his church. He loves his community. And we've been looking at Nehemiah as a template because of what he did for his community. Actually, not just him. He just happened to be one of the people that rallied the community to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, rebuild the temple, and bring back worship, bring back prayer. And so I want to I pick up today from Nehemiah chapter 8 and talk about this morning about having a heart for the word. You see, once you start having a heart for the house, you will have a heart for the word. And, and as we just sang, his word is what grounds us. His word is what equips us and empowers us to do his will. Amen. So Nehemiah chapter 8, it's really cool. As they begin to rebuild the temple and rebuild their homes, rebuild their communities, they had this powerful moment in October when the Israelites had settled in their towns. All the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the Watergate. Not the, not the Nixon Watergate, but the Jerusalem <laughs> Watergate. Um, they asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which is the Bible. The first five books of the Bible is called the law of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers, yes. <laughs> Numbers and Deuteronomy, um, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So on October 8, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the man and woman and all the children enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read out loud to everyone who could understand. Uh, just so you can do the math, that's six hours of reading the Bible straight. Which, by the way, the Congress just did that. This stuff doesn't make the news. But some people in the Congress just read the entire Bible 90 hours straight. They took turns reading the Bible out loud outside of the Congress. Like, no one talks about this stuff. You know, we, we love fake news, but we don't like real news, you know. <laughs> I'm going to jump down to verse 6. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, Amen. Amen, which means, yes, I'm with you. Amen means, yes, we agree. As they lifted their hands, they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sharabiah, Jamin, Akub, Zabitite, great names if you're about to have children. Um, <laughs> right here, you got plenty of choices. Josabad, Hanan, Paliah. Then instructed the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly, clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Can you say amen? A little context here to fully appreciate the Bible. You have to understand the context of it all is the fact that the Israelites had been away from their home for about 70 years, 70 years of captivity as slaves in Babylon, and you have to also understand the reason why they were in captivity was because they had neglected the ways of God. 
they, they were caught up doing their own thing and they started worshiping foreign gods and they started mingling with, with the culture and basically became everything that God says not to be. God says you're supposed to be in the world but not of the world. The problem is nowadays is we are in the world and of the world. And so we can't differentiate who is God's people, who is not God's people. Like if we're all talking the same way, acting the same way, saying the same things, behaving the same way, sleeping with the same people and having the same stuff. Listen, listen, coming to church will mean absolutely nothing if we're not set apart, distinct and being the people that God created us to be. So, so God said, because of that. I'm taking my hands, a blessing off of you. I'm going to let you do your thing. See, God's not going to force his way on us. He will let you do your thing until you realize this is a dead-end street. What am I doing here? You know, that's what the word prodigal means. It's wasteful. You know, when you were just kind of wasting your life away. The prodigal son had a moment when he, was, he came to his senses. The Bible says, he says, wait, what am I doing here? Like, I'm wasting everything that God has given me. And you cannot recover time. Time wasted is time wasted. You know, and so for 70 years they've been away. And but God said, listen, I love this about God. God is so loving, He's so patient with us. I was praying this morning, God have patience with us. You know, we're so knuckleheads, but have patience with us. You know, as I was praying for our city today, every Sunday morning I go get ready for, for church. I was praying, I said, God, have patience with us. You know, because we, because we think we got this figured out. And so we, we keep trying to make life happen without God. And God says, I'll take my hands off until you realize that you need me. But what's cool about that is that in the middle of the rebellion, God said one of the most powerful things that sometimes is taken out of context. Jeremiah 29, 11 was actually written in the middle of the rebellion. God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, to give you hope, and to give you future. How cool is that? Like, he wasn't waiting for them to get the act together. So in the middle of their rebellion, God says, I have a plan for you. Like, oh, awesome is that? I don't know where you are in life right now, but God says, I have a plan for you. Plan to prosper you, to give you hope in a future. And he says, well, I'll let you go into captivity, but I'm not leaving you. Right? And so this is them coming back home. Right? Home, as we talked about a few, a few weeks ago, home is not just a physical place. Home is, is being secure and, and, and fully alive where you belong. And so they come back home and they begin to rebuild their community, begin to rebuild their city, they begin to build their homes. And, and, and the book of Nehemiah is actually part of also the book of Ezra. See, if you look at the Bible, Ezra and Nehemiah are right next to each other, and they actually were working together. Ezra actually came before Nehemiah did. Ezra had been in, in, in Jerusalem for years before Nehemiah came. And Ezra, as, as you saw that, he was a scribe. A scribe was a, was a person who literally would sit down and write down the Bible, word for word. And a scribe was so in tune with doing the will of God that if they messed up one word, they would start all over again because they felt that the word of God is so holy that we can't mess this thing up. And so it's so powerful that this man has such a heart for God that he's like, I'm going to go back, but I'm going to focus on restoring the temple and bringing back the word of God. Because think about it, back in those days, they didn't have a printing press. They didn't have the Bible like you have today. And so the only time they would read the Bible was in the synagogues or in the temples on the Sabbath. And so the church was broken down. They'd have no more Bibles. And so think about it. This is the first time they read in the Bible for years. And if you keep reading Nehemiah 8, it says that they were reading it and they began to weep, began to cry. Why? Because 
My friends, our souls long for the word of God. Like, we don't even know how much we hunger for God's word until you open it and you begin to realize, oh my gosh, I need this. Like, we need the word as much as we need eating. I'm telling you, listen, if you've been away from the will of God and you open the word of God, it's almost like, man, you just got yourself a meal and like you've ever eaten in days. That's why sometimes we can't wait for church, right? Because it's almost like, man, I just my soul feels parched and it feels like I'm hungry and I need the presence of God. I need the will of God. But, I, but, but just seeing it doesn't do it. I need the word. Right? I need some meat in me. Right? And, and, and so here, here they are, my friends, reading the Bible for the first time in years, weeping because they miss the word of God. My friends, when you get into the house of the Lord, you also develop a heart for the word. And the word of God, my friends, is what grounds you. I don't have to tell you this, but we are living in some very confusing times. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of disunity. Man, you can't say one thing without someone jumping down your throat about something. Right? And all these hot button topics are dividing people, are, are just dividing our nation. That's why I'm saying like we need to pray for healing over our nation. There's a lot going on. But I'm telling you, more than ever, we need to know the word of God. Because if you don't know the word of God, you are going to go about these things based on your own rationale. And based on your own feelings. And all these hot buttons are very personal. They're very emotional. And the problem with emotions is emotions are not reliable. It's hard to make wise decisions when you are highly emotional. You don't think straight when you're emotional. Right? And, 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 and they're so hungry for God's word, they begin to cry. Why? Because, because when you're hungry, you eat anything. You know the saying, never shop when you're hungry? Because you'll, you'll date the wrong dude when you're emotionally hungry. Never shop when you're hungry. You'll take any job, right, when you're money hungry, right? Never shop when you're hungry because you'll lash out on anybody who even trying to help you, right? You see people as haters instead of people just trying to help you because you're hungry. You can't see the truth. You can't see right from wrong. You know, the Bible says there will come a day where, where people will say wrong is right and right is wrong. I think we're there. I don't think, I don't know if you're realizing this, right? We're getting bashed for things that we say are wrong, right? Why? Because we have decided to live life outside of the word of God. And outside of the word of God, my friends, there's always going to be chaos. There's always going to be disruption. You have to understand the true definition of sin. You have to understand this. Is It's the disruption of shalom. When there's a lack of peace, there's a lack of presence of God. And our society has a lack of peace right now. Right? You can't go on Facebook for two minutes and I see it. Right? And everybody has an opinion. But my friends, as God's people, we got to ask the question, but what does God have to say? Because my opinion means absolutely nothing if it's not aligned with the will of God. And the worst, my friends, what I'm seeing is I'm seeing... People of God give their opinions, but not back it up with the word of God. 
And the problem with the word of God is, it's already established. Right? Jesus said that heaven and earth will pass, but the word of God will remain. Right? Like, in other words, society is changing. Fast. Your emotions are all over the place. So guess what? You need something outside of yourself to ground you. And that's the word of God. That's the anchor. If you don't have an anchor, the boat will keep drifting. And what's interesting is, I don't know if you've had, had this experience where you're at the beach, you're just, you're just hanging out at the beach, and, and you're in the water, and you're just shooting the breeze, but you didn't realize the current kept moving you. You ever, you ever seen yourself? Like, you just kept going this way, and you kept, like, your camp is over there. All of a sudden, you look up, you're like, how did I get here? I'm telling you, that's a great illustration of our society. How do we get here? We just kept drifting with the current. We kept drifting with the latest. We kept drifting with the greatest. We kept drifting with our feelings and our emotions. And then we wonder, how did our marriage get here? How did our kids get here? How did my mindset get here? Because we drifted without an anchor for our souls. You see, society preaches that you will find truth inside of you. But I don't know about you. I can't even trust myself. And I know I can't trust myself because I know what myself tells me sometimes. Oh, y'all ain't going to be real in God's house. Right? If you trust yourself, tomorrow morning you won't go to work. Oh, I can guarantee you that. It's so funny. People say, trust your feelings. But I'm like, you're a hypocrite because you don't trust your feelings when it comes to work. You go because you have to go. So why is it that we, all of a sudden we, we, we throw feelings exactly when we want to? This is what I'm talking about. We have a buffet mentality about what we want to do versus what we need to do. Hello, somebody. Talking about, we fell out of love. Well, how'd you get into it? Talking about, I'm not feeling at work anymore. Well, do you feel like being a bum? It's funny how we pick and choose. What we want to feel or don't feel. Right? Read the Bible. It's like, oh, I, don't, I don't like that passage. Well, did you write it? My friends, I got news for us. This thing is not about you. It's just not about you. So it's so funny when people are like, yeah, but here's how I feel. It's like, it doesn't matter how you feel. God's not going, oh, okay, we're going to change it. Let's change it. Let's change it because Sally doesn't like it. I don't know, that's funny. That's just, that's funny. But I'm telling you, more than ever, we need to be rooted and grounded on something outside of ourselves. Something that can actually speak life and, and have weight. And that's God's word. I'm telling you, if you don't know God's word, you will go by any current of society right now. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a say. But as God's people... I want to know, God, what do you have to say? What do you have to say? This is why they cry. They're like, man, we've been lacking this. We've been craving to know the will of God. And I believe this. Anyone who's paying attention, God is trying to align you with his will. Everything that happens in your life, God's like, I'm trying to get your attention. 
It's funny how we blame God for things that God says, I never told you to do that. Like I just heard a, a rapper talk about that, right? You, you heard it. You know, it's a famous song right now. God, how'd you take in this guy? It's like, God's like, I didn't take any of them. Humans kill humans and then you blame God. Like, I didn't take any of them. I think God actually says, you got here too early. That was never my plan. You, 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 you know that, 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 that saying, right? The guy that prayed in the middle of the storm, God sent me help. You know, the boat came by. He's like, I'm waiting on God. Helicopter comes. I'm waiting on God. Next thing you know, he, he, he dies. He drowns. God, how come you didn't help? He's like, I tried. You didn't see the boat? The helicopter? You, you didn't see Iron Man? I, I, I tried. That blows my mind. I want God to do something. Well, he keeps sending new life people around you. He keeps telling you, join the mission. He keeps telling you, find a crew. He keeps telling you, serve the city. And we're like, uh, uh, I don't know. Because we in la-la land. Instead of being rooted and grounded in the word of God. I'm telling you, your feelings are fleeting. Sometimes you have a bad feeling just because you had bad pizza. And we're over here over-spiritualizing it. Well, I don't feel that good. Yeah, well, yeah, you, you had bad pizza. Right, you, you can't rely on your feelings. I met a man who had been married for over 50 years. I asked him, I said, I said what's, what's the secret? He goes, the secret is, I don't have to feel like being married to be married. I was like, that's it? I was waiting for some, like, you know, some deep truths, revelations. He goes, no, I look at this ring. And I remind myself every day, I made a commitment to this woman, so I'm going to keep it. Why? Because marriage is a covenant. And who created the covenant? God did. I'm telling you, a lot of our stuff will clear up if we just say, okay, God, well, what do you say? Right? Anytime I find myself feeling some type of way, I need to go root myself in the word of God. I'm telling you, this will change the game if we stop going to Facebook and we start going to his book for answers. We've got a lot of Facebook theologians who have never read the Bible. I'm amazed how, how many people, I've, and I'm serious, I've asked people this. People say, well, the Bible is, is, is man-made. I'm like, have you read it? No. Then how do you know? It's like, at least read the thing before you judge it. And it's fascinating to me. People say, don't judge us, but they're always judging. It's like, well, you got to read it, then we can have a conversation. Because majority of people who have tried to disprove this thing end up believing in this thing. Go do your homework. Don't just take people at face value. So we need to know what the word says if you're going to be the people of God. If we're actually going to have lives that are worth living. My friends, feelings are overrated. Thank you, sir. That was awesome. They are overrated because you, it's not reliable. What's reliable is 
What does God have to say? Because he created you. He knows how you're supposed to operate. We have a saying in this church, principle over feelings. Principle over feelings. Whenever, when push comes to shove, what's the principle over this feeling? Are you tracking with me? So the word, my friends, is what roots you. And the word even tells you why you need the word. Look at this. Right? Paul says this. He says, this is the point of the Bible. In 2 Timothy, he says, look, all scripture, all of the scriptures, Genesis to Revelation, is inspired by God and is useful to what? Teach us what is? So that means there's some fake stuff. That means not everything I think is true. That means not every feeling is true. That means my mind plays tricks on me. We've talked about this. And to make us realize what is? Nobody wants to be wrong. Have you noticed that? I'm amazed how how many people want a better life, but they don't want to be wrong. How are you going to fix something when you don't know what's wrong? Everybody wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. It corrects us. Hello, somebody. That's almost a cuss word in our society. No one wants to be corrected. People would rather be wrong than be corrected. When we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. That's why he gave us these books. I got news for you. You're wrong a lot of times. So am I. I got news for us. We need correction. He says he disciplines those he loves. Ask any parent who doesn't love their kids enough to correct them. Show me a parent who doesn't correct. I'll show you a parent who's out of his mind. (laughs) One time we were on vacation. (laughs) We were eating. And this waitress was excited about life. She's pregnant. And she said, I'm writing a book for kids. (laughs) But we didn't tell her we had kids. We're like, just let this flow. Just let it. (laughs) She started telling us her philosophy. She said, one of the chapters is, never tell your kid no. (laughs) So now we're over here losing it like... So we just let it be. So we asked how many kids do you have? Oh, it's going to be my first. So after a while, we decided, you know what, that's enough. We told her, we have five kids, our face changed. We're like, sounds good on paper. But the reality is, correction is part of life. And can we be honest, us who are now in our 40s, pushing 50 or 60, you look back, you thank God for correction. Millennials think correction is a cuss word. Because they want everything, give it to me. But let's be real, you don't have a meaningful life without correction. 
The word of God is like going to the chiropractor. It aligns things. Like, like as, as I'm preaching, God's like, I'm trying to align some things. Some worldview that you have. Some mindsets that you have. Some, some perspective that you have. That's, if you're open to the word of God, it's doing that to you. If you close off to it, then it's not going to do anything to you. But you have to establish that this is God's word to you. We don't read this for enlightenment. We read this for transformation. We don't even read it for, for knowledge. We read it for understanding. And what it's supposed to do in my life. My friends, the word of God is powerful. Look, let's summarize this thing. Go, go to my next slide. Look, it's inspired by God, right? I love how human it is. It's honest. Listen, to be honest with you, the Bible is rated R. Some of the stuff doesn't translate into kids' ministry. Kids, let me tell you about the time King David was lusting over a woman. You can't translate that. So you will skip that for now in the kids' ministry. Say, like, kid come up to you, Dad, tell me about songs of songs. Um, I will, son, but later. See me in about four or five years. We're going to have that conversation. <laughs> but I love how honest it is. It's raw. It's not going to sugarcoat it for you. It's not a fairy tale. It's a story of humanity. And how messy we are. And how crazy we are. And how much God loves us. There's a hero. His name is Jesus. That's the only hero in this thing. I'm telling you, you start reading this thing, the better part is when he starts reading you. Right? When he starts reading you, and he begins to teach you what is true. I don't know about you. When I got saved, I realized, man, everything the world taught me about what, what it means to be a man was false. Sitting in cruise and realizing, my goodness, everything that I learned up to now, I have to unlearn. Because God cares about character and integrity and honor and loyalty and purity and sexual integrity. Like, all the stuff the world taught me was wrong. If you don't realize that, you're just going with the current of society. Makes us realize what is wrong. There's a lot of things wrong, my friends. You can't fix what you don't know. They say the definition of insanity is keep doing the same things and expect different results. Oh my God, we think we have it figured out. What do we say? This is the one. Say, I don't know though. Because it's a different name, but same dude. Y'all ain't going to talk to me this morning. It corrects us. We need correction. I love my children, therefore I correct them. If I don't love my kids enough to correct them, then I don't really love them. We need correction. There are some things we're doing. God says, don't do it like that. But I love this about God. He doesn't just say, don't do it like that. He says, let me show you how to do it. It teaches you to do right. Because it would be one thing to say, don't do that and leave you there. He's like, no, don't do that, but let me show you. Here's how you do it. 
Here's how you walk. Here's how you talk. Here's, here's how you have a healthy marriage. Here's how you parent your kids. Here's how you handle your finances. Here's how you go and be a good work, worker. Like, I love it that it touches every area of life. Equips you to do God's will. I love that. God's like, I have a plan for you, and I have tools for you to equip you so you can actually do the things. See, this thing is not meant to just be read. It's meant to be lived. I tell you, you can go to a church building for the rest of your life. If you don't do this stuff, it means nothing. Head knowledge means nothing. This is about transformation. This is about saying, God, I want you. I want your word to penetrate my soul and my mind and my being to the point that it actually is leading to a lifestyle that's different. Can you say amen? Amen. So listen, my friends. Hearing and receiving God's word takes heart preparation. Your heart has to be willing to receive. See, the Bible says your heart is like a soil. Depending on the condition of your soul depends on what you produce. You come in here... You have a hard soil, you have a hard time producing. Like right now, some of you guys, you're kicking back what I'm saying. That's your soil. That has nothing to do with the word or what I'm saying. It has everything to do with your heart. The condition of your heart will reflect the fruits that you produce. The Bible says that we want to be good soils. That God can actually drop his seeds, his words. He calls these words his seeds. So he can actually bloom and grow. Good soil has good news with it because that means you can work a good soil. You can take care of the soil. You can remove weeds. You can take stuff out of the way so the soil can actually produce. This is why they were crying. At this point, man, their, their hearts were open. You know why? Because when you hit your head against the wall a few times, you realize, why am I doing it this way? Seventy years will do that for you. 70 years of rebellion, of, of, of trying your own and doing your own thing will get you to the place of saying, okay, God, I give up. Right. See, some, some of us, we have to hit rock bottom. Yeah. It's the only way we realize he's actually the rock at the bottom. Yeah. It's the only way for us to, to realize that. But you know what I tell young people all the time? You don't have to learn by experience. You can learn by other people's experience. You know you're smart when you start seeing other people saying, go, nah, I ain't doing that. That doesn't look fun. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I usually mess with the kids, you know, 15, 16. I'm like, okay, let me ask you a question. How many healthy relationships do you know at 15? That you're like, I want to model that. I want to be like that. I can't wait to, to be like them. They're usually like, uh, I don't know many. I'm like, well, then what makes you think you're going to have one at 15? Superman. Because <laughs> it's like, what is your plan for marriage, Superman? How long do you, kept, you, you, you plan on being sexually pure at 15 all the way till you're ready to have a marriage? Because if, if, you, you, if you're not dating to get married, then why are you dating? Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me. You know why you ain't going to talk to me? Because our society said, yeah, go for it. Explore it. Have it. Do it. You know, you got to know yourself. You got to find yourself. And guess what? They're losing themselves. That's what's happening. And, and if we're not rooted here, what do we do? We go along with it. Isn't it so cute? Look at that. 
Yeah, isn't it so cute? Teen pregnancy. Isn't it so cute? STDs. Isn't it so cute? Broken homes. Isn't it so... We got to wake up. The, the, the most challenging part about teaching this is that this requires discernment. It requires spiritual discernment. It's not one size fits all. It's learning to take the word of God and apply it to where I am and what he's trying to say to me. And if you're paying attention, he knows how to distribute his word to exactly where you are right now. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate teacher. That's what he's doing right now. He customizes his word to fit exactly where you are. The power of preaching is that the word of God can be preached and God takes it from there. And he, and he knows how to connect it. That's why a lot of you guys will say, you're speaking right to me, but I never met you. Yeah. Met a woman at Target yesterday. She said, hey, you're, you're Pastor Marco. I listen to your podcast every week. I'm like, I never met the woman. But the word of God is powerful. It will speak to you exactly where you are. But it must be that I'm open to it. See, I'm going to tell you something. It's the honest truth. Our minds are often slow to understand things that will convict our hearts. That's why we resist change. Change is hard. It's, it's amazing how some people would rather stay in dysfunction than do the hard work of change. I love doing serve the city. But I always tell our people this, never work harder than the person that you're trying to help. You will end up empowering them in their dysfunction as opposed to actually helping them if they're not willing to put in some work to see themselves come out of the situation that they're in. I remember one time a woman came up to me and said, I need a shelter. And I said, we'll have to help you with that. She goes, well, then, 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 then connect me with the shelter. I said, lady, you have an iPhone in your hand. If I go do the work for you, then you're always going to expect someone to do the work for you. My friends, we want change, but we have to be willing to be convicted to change. Some of the stuff that I preach and teach is not trying to be harsh. We're just trying to bring you to clarity of truth. And, and when you're not used to truth, it hurts. But it hurts good if you let it. When you go to the gym, it hurts, right? But you don't go, I'm offended at this gym. I can't believe this gym is making me feel sore. You don't go on Facebook and go, don't ever go to this gym again. I came away feeling all sore. My knees are hurting. I can't wait to take aspirin. Do never go to a gym again. Isn't it funny how we pick and choose the feelings that we want to feel? Because some of us are like, oh my God, I went to the gym today, I'm so sorry. Say, like, why don't we say that about church? Oh man, that hurts so good. I'm so glad God is aligning me. He's molding me. He's shaping me. I'm developing spiritual muscles. I'm stronger now. I'm healthier now. My mind is clear. I can actually pray. I can worship. 
I can give God some praise. My marriage is getting better. My children are lining up. My finances are getting in shape. I'm becoming the best version of me right now. Someone ought to thank God that it hurts so good. My God. telling you, my friends, I got to tell you this. If you're not serious about Jesus really shaping your life, don't come to church. You know why? Because it's worse when you know the truth. You can't, you can't unsee the truth. The accountability goes to another level. Right? You can't, you can't, you know. The Bible says the worst sin is sin of omission. Knowing what you need to do and don't do it. The brother of Jesus said this about the word. Look, James, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free... Because he has to set you free from lies and deceits. And if you do what he says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So we can't just hear it. We got we to we gotta do it. That's when it comes to life. That's when you can say, man, look, the God of the Bible is actually shaping my life. You don't have to worry about trying to be someone that you're not. Because the God of the Word is shaping you. He shapes your thinking. He shapes the words that come out of your mouth. Shapes your actions. He even shapes who you're thinking about dating. You just wouldn't date anybody if you're in the Word. You just wouldn't. You would. They wept over the word because they knew, man, we've been, we've been off. Sometimes I'll be preaching, I see people crying, and I'm like, look, the word of God is changing things. It's okay to cry. It's a good cry. And once in a while in church, you've got to have that ugly cry. I'm telling you, that's when church is really good. When your makeup is ruined, you know you had church. Now, you walked in and walked out the same way. You, no, you went, you went to a building. You didn't have church. But when you, like, kick off the shoes and you're like, I don't, I'm not leaving here, I tell you. God's like, all right, now we can work. Some of y'all are too cute to get a breakthrough. I, I just got my nail done, right? If, if, God, if, if, if God's going to bless me, he's going to do it right here. Right here. Right here. God's like, next. Give me someone who's hungry for change and watch the Holy Spirit come and bring a ruckus. Dudes, if you're too dignified, you'll never meet God.
Guess what? He who aims at nothing hits it every time. You wonder why you don't produce anything? Because you're closed off. A soil has to be fertile and open for something to actually be seen. You would never see Edelman go, Brady, pass me the ball. A great wide receiver runs every route believing the ball is coming to me. I don't know about you. I don't want to miss God. It's like, I'm like this, God, hit me. Hit me. Hit me. Word cuts through your heart, my friends. Hebrews chapter 4 says this about the word. Watch this. The word of God is alive and powerful. Sharper than any, than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit. The word of God will get to places that no one else can. Between joy and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Have you ever been reading the Bible and you felt like... You ever... I don't know you, sir. I had a guy one time. I don't know you, but God does. He knows exactly what you need. All you got to do is hit me. Hit me. Hit me. I'm telling you, my friends, we got we to gotta go back and make this thing part of our diet. They say it doesn't matter how much you work out, but if you don't have a good diet... You're not going to see the results you want to see. Yes. True. Doesn't matter how much you come to church, but if you're not making this thing part of your diet, then you're never going to see the fullness of what God wants to do in your life. Yeah. We need to be people of the Word, yeah. not of the world. Can I tell you something, my friends? This is not Tony Robbins. This is the word of God. This is not, I'm trying to make my life better. This is God, what do you want to do in my life? This is not, you know, two steps to success. This is two steps to dying to yourself so that you may actually live the life that God wants you to live. Now, it will prosper you if you align with God. It will, it will bring success to you if you align yourself with him. Because he, he tests the innermost part of your being. He knows your motives. He knows your intentions. He knows that sometimes you're just using the Bible for your own gain. He knows when you're trying to maneuver God. Like, it's God. He created you. That's why he has to expose us and correct us and align us in order to set us on the right course so we can actually live the life he created us to live. We are never going to see the fullness of God's will if the word of God is not in tune with us spirits. We'll do church, but we won't do God. I tell you, I love this church. I love what we've accomplished. But I'm at a place now that I'm like, we better align ourselves with God's word. Because you won't last in the society if you're not assigned with God's word. You won't last. And the Bible says those who persevere till the end will receive the crown of life. If you're looking for a painless life, don't be a Christian. Matter of fact, be whatever you want to be, you still have pain. You can't escape pain. But in here, pain gets a definition. Pain has purpose. Pain has meaning. Pain leads to resurrection.
And atheist was challenging God. And he told a believer, if God is so good, why is this little girl dying of cancer? And the believer said to him, well, then what do you have to offer? We are going to face trials and tribulations and pain in this world. But this gives perspective to pain. Without this, pain has absolutely no meaning. And life is just mean. But the cross says, no, there's always a reason. For God works out everything for the good of those who love him. But if you don't know the word, you would think that's a reason to stop believing in God. You know your belief is shallow when it's something outside of God's word that keeps you away from his will. Now, this is a mature word now. This is not just for goosebumps. This is for lifestyle. That it's not always going to be what I want it to be. But I align myself with this word and I say the way Jesus said it, not my will, but let your will be done. That's the kind of people we need to be, the people of God, not people who are fickle based on our feelings, our emotions, how the weather is outside. It's like, no, listen, all that stuff will get, make you live a yo-yo life if you're not rooted and grounded in something that says, no, I'm not going to let those things dictate my life. Every opinion that comes my way, I need to filter it through God's word. Do you know how many opinions of this church I've heard? Every one I have to say, God, what do you say to that? By the way, not every opinion needs to be answered when you know the word. Because sometimes you just got to let your life speak for itself. I haven't said much about some of the stuff in our society, not because I don't have opinions, but because I don't want to make irrational decisions based on feelings and emotions. And just because someone is not voicing their opinions doesn't mean they don't have convictions. This is the society we live in. We think, he didn't say anything, which means he must be. No, just because you're not saying something does not mean you're not wrestling with it. But you don't want to be just anybody who just gets out there and says stuff. By the way, just because you say something on Facebook doesn't mean you care about it. We're over here on the ground trying to actually help people. And anytime you're serious about God's word, you'll understand this. There are always at least four or five angles to something. But if you're emotional, all you see is your angle. That's why a lot of Christians, to me, are hurting the gospel. Because all they do is see one angle and they run with it, but they never stop to say, okay, but what about the God of the universe who has multiple angles on things? Why are we only seeing what I want to see? And that's the, that's the danger of going to the word with a bias. I'll only see what I want to see. If I'm serious about this thing, I have to go to it and say, God, help me see what you see. Because I'll I'll just go and see what I want. I'll say what I want. And it becomes a buffet. As opposed to the truth of God. He said all scriptures God breathe. So it's not the ones that I like. He says all of it. They wept. He said, God, we've been missing your word. That's my prayer for us, God. Get us here. Get us here. We'd rather be entertained than be changed. That's why the the entertainment industry is making a killing. Because they realize people don't want to think. Just give them another show. That's why we come to church. We can't sit for 30 minutes anymore. 
Because it's like, what's the next thing? The next thing is, can we get in God's word? And truly align ourselves with the word. My friends, there's some weird days we're living in. But you know what? It shouldn't surprise us if you know this thing. You'd be like, oh, wow, actually, this makes this, makes this thing make more sense. I'm telling you, it makes this thing make way more sense. You guys can come up as I end here. I want to challenge you. It's not how much you read it. It's how much you allow to read you. Because a lot of times when you hear messages, you say, I'm going to start reading the Bible, and you do it for two days. Like going to the gym for two days. If you wonder why you keep getting sores, because you go every six months. <laughs> Listen, can I encourage you to sit and actually read it? I want to give you a place to start this week. Just one place. I'm not going to send you all over the place. How many chapters? One chapter. One chapter. Psalm 119. And as you read it, I want you to use soap. And you're like, what is soap? Well, you need some cleansing. It's an acronym that we use here, how to study the Bible, to get the most of it. You don't have to read the whole thing in one day. Just read a portion. I love Psalm 19 because he breaks it down into a few verses. And Psalm 119 is all about the Word of God. The whole purpose of why you have this thing. Psalm 119 says, let me me break it down to you. This is someone reflecting on why the Word is so powerful. And all you got to do, my friends, is sit tight. And let the Holy Spirit speak. And then then go over the soap. Look, read it. And then ask the observation. What stood out to you? But remember, you don't want to just have an observation. You want to have an application. What do I need to do? Based on what I just read. And And then you want to pray about what you read. Because prayer and the word of God go together. Prayer is what brings the word to life. We don't want to just hear the word. We don't want to just go to church. We want to be the church. So when you go to work tomorrow and, and you begin to hear society speak, you can filter those things through what you just read. And you know what's fascinating? You start doing this every day, you begin to see the things that you're hearing will begin to show you why you're reading what you're reading. Yeah. And the situations and trials and tribulations will begin to now take, have way more sense because now you're rooted and grounded in something that is eternal. And not just temporary. Next week, it will make 21 years since Jesus became the Lord and Savior of my life. I was 20 years old, Memorial Day weekend, when this thing came to life. I've been reading this thing, no, 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 no exaggeration. For 21 years straight, I've been reading it. And you know what's the best part? I'm still like, this is amazing. I can't wait to read it again. You can read the same verse for 10 years and get something new. Talking to one young man yesterday, I said, You know what the Bible does for me? The Bible grows with me. Or better yet, I grow with it. Because at 20, at 20 years old, my understanding was limited. Now I'm 40. I'm reading the same scripture I read when I was 20 years old. It takes a whole nother meaning. Because as you grow, it grows you. That's why he says it's alive. Because it's like, man, it moves with you. It moves with you. You, you change jobs, it moves with you. You have a broken heart, it moves with you. It's fascinating how this thing is amazing. 
My friends, don't settle for a cheap imitation of this thing, which is just reading cute quotes online. No, no, you got to sit with it. And if you have a hard time reading, my, we live in the 21st century, you can listen to it. My wife loves to run to the Bible. I'm like, I don't know how you do it. I can't do it. But that's the beauty. We're all unique. God's like, I'll meet you the way that it works for you. Like, you can go for a run, have physical soreness and spiritual soreness, and keep growing in the things of God. But you got to do it. You got to do it. Come on, stand with me as we end today. We need a hunger for the word. We need a heart for the word. Psalm 42 says, As a deer panted for the streams of water, my soul longs for you, God. Do you have a hunger for God? Do you have a hunger for truth? Do you have a hunger for righteousness? Do you have a hunger for the will of God? If you don't, it's okay. You can ask for it. You can ask for it. He'll give it to you. You can, you can say, God, I, I, I've been drifting. I'm that guy that, that the current has taken, and I'm, and I'm going with the current of life, and, and I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't believe how far I've drifted. And guess what? He says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you hope, to give you future. You're like, God, I'm so confused, man. There's so much going on in the world. that I don't know who's right, who's wrong. He says, yeah, come to my word. Let me teach you. Let me counsel you. Let me mold you. Let me shape you. God, my marriage is in trouble. Well, come to my province. Let me show you wisdom. Let me show you grace. Let me show you how to overcome the things in your marriage that you're going through. Man, God, I'm a young man. I go to high school. Man, there's so much pressure, temptation. Well, he says, listen, I've hidden your word in my heart. How can a young man stay pure? By hiding God's word in his heart so that you may be able to be tested and approved in, t- in due time. Listen, no matter where you are in life and what you're going through, if you root yourself in the word of God, you will be like those people who can shine in an evil and perverted generation. We don't have to be like the world. We can show the world what it means to be the people of the Word of God. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.